You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Biden lost a lot of goodwill. He lost a lot of the trust that was given to him at the outset of this year. The Democratic Party can't find its way back to the JFK days because it's so far over to the left. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. People generally don't have a favorable view of Congress, but they do of their own congressmen. It's got to be something that all 50 senators, every single 50 senator can support. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe. Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. And it begins an historic week in politics that journalists, historians and academics will be writing about and analyzing for years, no matter the outcome. A collision of deadlines this week. If you're a listener to this broadcast or the Sound On podcast, well, you saw it coming a mile away. Of course, the same goes for leaders in Congress as Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer try to play a bit of three-dimensional chess here and assure that infrastructure and reconciliation can pass both chambers all in the next several days. We have to fund the government, too, and a continuing resolution that includes a suspension of the debt ceiling is expected to fail in the Senate here tonight, forcing Democrats to come up with a clean funding mechanism by Thursday at midnight when the government is set to run out of money. Now, we're going to bring you the latest from both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue. An update coming up from Jack Fitzpatrick from Bloomberg Government, and we'll talk about it with Congressman Ralph Norman, Republican from South Carolina, and later an inside view from our panel. Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano and Brian Johnson of the Vogel Group. We've all got our eyes on Capitol Hill this week with key votes expected on infrastructure and government funding, if not more, ahead of a Thursday deadline for a possible government shutdown. And that's where we start now with Bloomberg government's Jack Fitzpatrick, who's been in the halls of power throughout the day talking with lawmakers. Jack, welcome. We should be clear. Chuck Schumer is bringing this government funding bill to a vote, even though he knows it will fail because Republicans will not touch the debt ceiling. Political back and forth on the debt ceiling the Senate is going forward with a vote that, talking to everybody here, it's virtually guaranteed that it will fail. It's possible maybe they'll pick up one or two Republican votes, but nobody has said clearly they're joining the Democrats. So they'll fall short of the 60 votes. And then the question is, how quickly can they break off a clean government funding measure, uh, presumably amend it in the Senate, pass it, send that back to the House? pass it and try to get it signed into law uh, before 11.59 p.m. or so Thursday night to avoid a shutdown and then just kind of keep working on a a debt limit measure. So, Jack, they'd have to set a land speed record uh, to make that happen, right? Are they sure they can do it? 
Really, one question we have to get answered today is how quickly will individual Republicans allow them to move in the Senate, where they will very likely on procedural matters rely on unanimous consent. Uh, that usually comes down to members like Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, some of the more conservative Republicans who sometimes hold up procedural measures it could get difficult if people are dragging their feet on everything, though Republican leadership has said they'll support a CR, a, a government funding measure without the debt limit measure. So yeah. I, I don't think they're they're up against it just yet. Jack, uh, lastly, Nancy Pelosi uh, reiterating over the weekend infrastructure, the bipartisan infrastructure bill will get a vote this week. She says it'll happen Thursday, but work is beginning on that now in the House. Yes, they're moving to the infrastructure vote. They initially said that that would happen today, but they're trying to align the timing of the infrastructure measure with the broader reconciliation bill. And so they're, they're racing to try to get as close to some sort of agreement on reconciliation and pushing back that infrastructure measure. Technically, they're moving to it today and they'll hold a vote on it this week. Uh, the progressives are still opposed to that infrastructure measure, though, because they haven't gotten a deal on the broader three and a half trillion dollar bill. Bloomberg government's Jack Fitzpatrick. Thanks, as always, Jack, for the update. As we turn now to Congressman Ralph Norman, Republican from South Carolina, who's back with us on a very important day, clearly starting a very important week in Washington. Congressman, welcome back to Bloomberg Radio. We're glad to have you. Would you vote yes for this government funding bill if it did not include the debt ceiling? Oh, absolutely not, Joe. This is a dog and pony show that, that Congress uh, is demonstrating to the American, American people. The process is broken. Uh, you know, the Senate always has caved in the past. We'll see what happens when they strip, strip the debt, you know, limit out and have to uh, decide how they're going to fund it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the Democrats own this and they're going to have to vote on it. I hope the UCs fail and Cruz calls them to have to vote. I know you would not vote to raise the debt ceiling, Congressman, but would you, do I understand you right, you would also not vote for a clean CR, a government funding bill that was written by Democrats? Oh, absolutely not. It's twenty. I think the first 1.2 spending so-called infrastructure plan was anything but infrastructure, Joe. It's a Green New Deal program. Nine percent of it dealt with true infrastructure as we know it, bridges, roads, uh, the balance of it was giveaway projects that uh, bailed out states that uh, were mismanaged by the respective governors and, and members. So, um, no, I absolutely would. We're going to have to face this at some point, and now better than you know, is as good as any. It should have happened years ago, but we just can't keep piling up debt. So would you let the government shut down on Friday to make a point then? Absolutely. It affects 40% of the payments uh, due, and Absolutely. Uh, we need to be working here through the weekend, through however long it takes to bring some sanity to insanity. Uh, and I say that because, uh, you, know, you, you know, we all hear their meeting. Well, the Democrats are meeting and not allowing uh, or not passing any amendments. No no uh, interest in balancing, cutting anything and some sunsetting program that should have been sunsetted years ago. So absolutely. I mean, how long are we going to keep doing this? The public is ready to to face it. And I have little hope that the Democrats will do that because all you hear is spending. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that because a lot of Republicans, a lot of your colleagues, congressmen say, I'm not touching that debt ceiling, but we want to keep the government funding. Give me a clean bill. I'll sign off on it. It would, would that, if you let the government shut down, if you did not approve the CR as a Republican or as a Republican party, would you then follow that up 
with maybe a, a debt reduction proposal? What would you use that opportunity to achieve? Well, it's all of the above. I mean, a debt reduction, a trimming of programs to hopefully balance, try to balance this budget. I think if you do the math, it's right at <laughs> for every taxpayer. The debt now is is approaching two hundred thirty million dollars, two hundred thirty thousand for every taxpayer, and <laughs> we just cannot keep doing this. So, I think we, uh, I would love to see it. While the the, the ramifications are. are uh, bad as far as you know, actually shutting it down. But look at the ramifications of continuing doing continuing resolutions. Hmm. Leases have to be redone for the military. It pretty well stops everything, and we, we keep doing this, running right up to the uh, to the deadline, which is midnight Thursday uh, on the thirtieth. There's no excuse. No business. No family. Uh, anybody competent does not do this with with a budget, particularly now. When we talk about the debt ceiling, uh, Democrats have made the point that, that a, a good chunk of the money there, trillions, in fact, were incurred under the Trump administration. Would you have shut the government down to make that same point then? You know, blame, blame, blame. That's all you hear, Joe. Uh, you know, nothing. <laughs> I'm just trying to follow the money, Congressman. Yeah, follow the money. I mean, that, there's blame to go around, but look at what they're doing now. Combined with everything else, we've never seen this. I think every uh, administration up to the founding of the country till now has not even come close to what this administration is doing. And it's dropping money from helicopters is the analogy I would use. So, no, I would, uh, you know, whether you're this isn't a Democrat or Republican issue. This is an American issue. And you face it. And now uh, as, as there's no better time than now to try to put some sanity to it. And they're just not doing it. We're talking with Congressman Ralph Norman, Republican from South Carolina, uh, as we talk about what will be uh, an historic week ahead here. And I know that you're not in favor of uh, the Democratic spending plans, but I know there were there were parts of the infrastructure bill that passed the Senate that you were in favor of. At one point, we talked about some of the the broadband, the hard infrastructure, roads and bridges that you favored. Does, do you still want to see that become law? Everybody is in favor of a true infrastructure bill, Joe, meaning roads, bridges, streets. Everybody in this country, I mean, you've got structures that are 70 and 80 years old that were built during the Eisenhower and previous administration. So, yes, but if a bill has 9% good things and, uh, you know, 90% bad or 91% bad, do you take the pill? No. This administration is uh, has completely lost control over any type of spending with no indication that they're going to balance and, and cut things that it's going to take. Yeah, true infrastructure, yes. But as we've seen, just saying it's infrastructure doesn't make it so. It's 2,400 pages long, yeah. the first bill. It was passed in the middle of the night. When are we going to get some sanity and stop that? Well, so what works here, Congressman? Is there a piece of spending in that bill that you'd like to see uh, isolated? It sounds like you're a no vote across the board on everything we're looking at. Oh, absolutely. It's an easy vote, no vote for me, Joe. I simply was not sent to Congress to bankrupt the country. And that's what's happening along with everything else that's going on. If they truly carved out true infrastructure and put it on the basis that you know, any municipality, any state that received federal dollars had equity to put into the game rather than just give it, throw it out to states that are friendly to yeah. uh, the Democratic Party. Yes, uh, true infrastructure, I'm for. I'm a real estate developer. Why would I be against it? But it's just not the case with this group. 
And, because uh, there's too much other stuff in that bill you say. There's 9% good, and uh, the rest is, is bad news for you. Oh, absolutely. Look what it's doing to our to our future indebtedness to our children and grandchildren. It's not fair. It's not right. And again, you know, look back in history, we always go through this, but it's time to have a backbone. It's time to stand up. And now is the time, particularly with what the government is trying to fund with so many other projects on the uh, on the dole, like the immigration issues of millions yeah. of illegals and, and the other things that go along with it. Congressman Ralph Norman, we thank you for joining us live on Bloomberg Sound On, Republican from South Carolina, illustrating the opposition on the other side of the aisle here. We'll assemble the panel next and get into this. Sound On is brought to you by Barish and McGarry, lawyers for the 9-11 community. For 20 years, they've been fighting for those who continue to get sick from the 9-11 toxins. Free health care and compensation are available. Visit 9-11-victims.com. It's the panel next as we take the pulse. I'm Joe Matthew. Stay right with us. This is Bloomberg. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Thanks for spending part of your Monday with us as we all watch Capitol Hill for news this week, and that includes the White House. President Biden himself making that clear when he got a booster shot today in front of reporters. Yes, he was asked about the shot, even as he had the needle in his arm. They're yelling questions out. He was also asked about the timeline for votes this week. And whether he sees infrastructure and reconciliation passing, here's what he said. You know me, I'm a born optimist. I think things are going to go well. I think we're going to get it done. And uh, but, uh, I have meetings uh, <clears throat> tonight, tomorrow, and uh, for the next little bit. So what is the state for your agenda and your presidency with what's happening on the campus? Victory is what's the state. Victory. He said, reminding a lot of us of Robert Duvall in Apocalypse Now, smells like victory. And yes, people read into that statement. It's Washington generating questions for Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Listen to this exchange from the briefing room. The president said today that victory is at stake this week. Can you explain more about what he meant there and also what pressure is he feeling as, as Democrats face this sort of intense legislative week? Well, I would say he said that at the end of several questions, just to give the full context, when it was like, what is at stake? And he said, victory is at stake. I don't think he said it quite exactly in the same tone that you conveyed, which is okay. But um, look, the president is very committed to this agenda. And with that, we bring in the panel Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano and Brian Johnson with us today from Vocal Group, former director 
of Government Affairs at the American Petroleum Institute. It's great to have you both here. Jeannie, I know you love the smell of victory in the morning, uh, but what is it that President Biden is going to be saying in these meetings? We have we are running out of time very quickly here, and he's got about three days to bring moderates and progressives together. That's right. And I do love victory and I'm glad he's optimistic. <laughs> I want to be as optimistic as Joe Biden on this. But, you know, I, I think what at this point I'm looking to see is do we see any sign of a framework agreement that takes into consideration Mansion and Cinema mm-hmm. on the reconciliation and that allows then the progressives to vote for the the BIF, if you will, the mm-hmm. the the bi- bipartisan infrastructure bill. If we don't see that, I'm not sure how this thing goes forward. Let's just remember we have now another statement by the progressives, Katie Porter, Ilhan Omar, Jayapal, and others, where they are saying that they will put their votes on the line for the Build Back Better Act. So, you know, uh, so they these have, you know, become sort of intractable positions at this point. So looking for something like a framework. Otherwise, I think Joe Biden is going to have to start to twist some arms and whip some votes and say, even if we don't get a framework, you still need to vote for this because everything's on the line. I don't think he said that yet. At least we haven't gotten an indication he has. I heard the term Cinemansion for the first time today, which gives you a pretty good sense, uh, Brian Johnson, of of who is steering the conversation here. And we know that committee chairs in the House are in direct contact with committee chairs in the Senate to make sure that legislation doesn't go next door, that that people are not going to vote for. But we are running out of time quickly. And I wonder what you think the role the president should be playing now. Is he in these meetings driving the conversation or is he listening and, and absorbing what lawmakers are telling him? Yeah, Joe, thanks for having me. Jeannie, I love your optimism. I I wish I could share some of that. Um, I think President Biden needs to remember uh, statements that have been made publicly and where uh, folks are on these issues. Let's not forget, uh, during the budget resolution markup in the Senate, uh, Kristen Sinema voted no uh, from presiding over the Senate, actually, on a Cortez Masso amendment that would have tacked uh, only the top 1%. And just today in the New York Times, Uh, It's been made clear that she is not in favor of raising taxes. Uh, When you look at the packages that are coming before us, um, you've got a ultimate 49 or 46.4 percent top income rate. Uh, You've got corporate uh, hikes. You've got cap gains hikes. You have a host of things that read like very objective policies that Kristen Sinema said she's not supportive of. And now you have talk of Joe Manchin maybe entertaining a carbon tax uh, to pay for some of this. And so – uh, I think the president needs to come back down to reality and really have some hard-line conversations with these folks about what it's going to take to get them on board on infrastructure and reconciliation. And then to throw one more kink into it, I'm just going to read you a quick quote. It says, this is the first time in recent memory government shutdown has been possible when one party has controlled the White House, House, and the Senate. The Republicans own that. That's Speaker Pelosi from January 18 of 2018 <laughs> Ending okay. that with hashtag do your job. And so I think the Democrats have a very tough job ahead of them. Hashtag do your job. I feel like we're covering the Patriots again here, Jeannie. But <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought it up here, uh, Brian. The debt ceiling is going to likely be left on the side of the road this week, right? They need to clean up the CR, as we discussed with Jack Fitzpatrick a little bit earlier, fund the government and then deal with the debt ceiling. What next week when it's even closer to being a default? Uh, it's, it's it's funny. Uh, jingle bells to me sound like the 
the sound of cans being kicked down the road. And unfortunately, uh, as we transition from fall into winter, uh, that's exactly what happens here in Washington. Uh, the cans start to get kicked down the road. And so I think you're certainly going to see a lot of buying time, uh, quote unquote, while things are worked out behind the scenes. But well, let's just be very clear. They are, they are nowhere close uh, to any kind of an agreement. Uh, and what the Senate wants to do on reconciliation is yep. exponentially different in the House. Brian Johnson came to play today on Sound On. I like this. He'll be back with Jeannie Shanzano. They're with us for the hour. Up next, an inside view on the vote counting with political strategist Michael Hardaway. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1 to New York, Bloomberg 1130 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. The headline on the terminal, Biden and Pelosi pressure Democrats ahead of showdown on agenda. That's the name of the game this week. The phones are ringing. As Eric Wasson, Billy House, Laura Litvin, right? Pelosi and Biden have been calling lawmakers ahead of a closed-door meeting of House Democrats today, this afternoon, in an attempt to bridge differences between moderates and progressives that are stalling votes on a bipartisan infrastructure bill. $550 billion in new spending, and then, of course, the much larger reconciliation bill as we head for some key deadlines coming up in the days ahead. We'll be talking about it here and playing the game of trust with Michael Hardaway, founder of Hardaway Wire, political strategist, was former communications director for the House Democratic Caucus. And Representative Hakeem Jeffries, of course, in the leadership, have a sense of what's going on in those meetings and what might happen over the course of this week. And welcome to the Monday edition of Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington, where it's going to get busier and potentially more chaotic, maybe a little bit louder each day this week as we head for a possible government shutdown on Friday. And as moderate Democrats demand votes this week, as promised, on infrastructure. Just don't know what's going to happen with those votes, as progressive Democrats still maintain they will not vote for the infrastructure bill unless they get what they are looking for in the reconciliation bill. And over the next couple of days, as we've been reporting on the terminal, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden, the Democratic leadership, will try to provide a framework for what that reconciliation bill is going to look like, complete with a price tag that's expected, according to the speaker herself, to fall well short of $3.5 trillion. We're joined now by Michael Hardaway, political strategist and founder of the Hardaway Wire. His company provides political intelligence to corporations, to CEOs. He's an insider, a former communications director for the House Democratic Caucus and Representative Hakeem Jeffries. And Michael, I want to welcome you back here to Bloomberg Sound On. I can't imagine what you're hearing about these meetings, the phone calls and the sessions. Apparently, there'll be there'll be more each day this week. As the president himself said, he is booked straight through Wednesday trying to bring together moderates and progressives. Maybe we can tick through some of these here because I'd love to get your input and, and understand a little bit more about what you're hearing. The vote tonight, government funding. Everyone knows it's going to fail. Do Democrats come up with a clean CR to simply pay for government operations in time for that deadline on midnight Thursday. First of all, it's good to be with you again, Joe. Thank you for having me on. By all means. Uh, it's a very interesting question because I've spent the past week talking with everyone from friends of the White House to congressional leadership. And everyone, generally speaking, is 
hopeful but pessimistic in terms of whether any of the three get done, be it the debt ceiling, be it the bipartisan infrastructure bill, or the reconciliation bill. I think Democrats have a real problem that is simple math with the idea that, you know, Speaker Pelosi can only afford to lose three votes, and you might have upwards of 60 people in the House right now that would oppose the legislation. And I think that on the other side, you have Senate Republicans, but also Senate Democrats who are saying, you know, we don't, we can't support your bill because we think it's way too much money. And let's just pass this bipartisan bill first, but that's just not going to happen in the House. And I just don't see how this gets done. You know, we've been talking to our members about this over the past few days, and it's clear that business leaders want to know what to expect. And the main thing I've been telling them is it's unlikely that either of these gets done this year. This year? Some would say if it's not this year, Michael, it's never. I think that's about right. We're heading into an election next year, and you know Republicans are solely focused on winning back the House and possibly the Senate. And to your point, I think next year is going to be one of um, inaction uh, in both houses of Congress. And I think that anything that, that doesn't get done this year in infrastructure will not get done at all. And I hate to say that because I think that if you look at polling surrounding this issue, yeah. the American public want action on both of these pieces of legislation. And so... The real question is, will anyone have to pay next November if either of these bills doesn't get done? That's a big question right now. I don't know if you heard Congressman Ralph Norman was with us. Of course, a Republican. He's from South Carolina earlier in the hour. He said he would vote no even on a clean CR to fund the government. Just to make sure I understand you, you don't think Democrats can necessarily get that done in time for Friday? Well, I was speaking particularly about the bipartisan bill and the reconciliation bill. But I think in terms of the CR, that's going to be tight. You know, I had a conversation yesterday with a Republican friend who's involved in Senate leadership, and he said to me that McConnell has really dug his heels in on this one in a way that he hasn't in the previous instances. And so I just don't know, and no one really knows, honestly, in Mm -hmm. terms of what's going to happen with the CR and whether Republicans will allow uh, the U.S. to default on its debt. We're compelled uh, to take people at their word at this point here, just days away from deadlines. No one's budging, Michael. I want you to hear a couple of different voices right now, starting with Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, who was asked today about the role that Joe Biden is playing in these meetings with lawmakers. Here she is. The conversations are not just about him silently listening. I can assure you all of that. Um, He is not a wallflower. He's engaging in conversations. He's having discussions with leaders. He's looking to chart a unifying path forward. And there's a give and take and a back and forth in those conversations. Absolutely. He is not a wallflower, says the press secretary to a packed briefing room today. I want you to rewind here. Come with me to Friday. When I spoke with Representative Pramila Jayapal, this is, of course, the chair of the Progressive Caucus, who has made clear that half of her members will not vote for this infrastructure bill unless they get what they want from reconciliation. Here's what she told me. I would love to sit down with Senator Manchin, Senator Cinema, see if that can help move things along, just, you know, for us to hear each other. Yeah. Um, and see where we are and continue the negotiations. Do you still believe half the Progressive Caucus would vote against infrastructure if it was today? Yes. Okay. What then does Joe Biden need to tell Jayapal and her members, Michael, in our remaining moment here,
if there's any chance in bringing them over here? I would say to you that in terms of the way this is being operated, the president and the speaker are working in partnership in that regard. There are many members right now that are getting a call from a 415 number, which would be Speaker Pelosi, and she's saying to them, trust me to lead you through this path. And I think in terms of the president, he's likely focusing on leadership from both houses um, and the mansions of the world to try to get them on board. But I think that Speaker Pelosi is really driving this focus. Michael Hardaway and the Game of Trust, as I mentioned, will reassemble the panel next. This is Bloomberg. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. It's like a holiday week for wonks. Jingle bells, as Brian Johnson told us earlier this hour, like the sound of cans being kicked down the road. That is Tom Keen-level poetry, Brian. We thank you. Brian is principal at Vogel Group, former director of government affairs at the American Petroleum Institute, and part of our Sound On panel today, along with Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano. Welcome back to both of you, and glad you're with us for the hour here. I hope you're happy with what you started, Brian, as we all roll to the sound of jingle bells on the fastest hour in politics. But, of course, some serious business at hand here, and we've been talking about it with a number of uh, points of view over the course of the hour. Uh, I wonder where your thoughts are right now, uh, Brian. As we consider a series of meetings that are being held, we talked about them between the White House, congressional leadership, and what appears to be to many insurmountable uh, conflict between moderates and progressives. Is there an opening here for Republicans to do something more than say no? I asked Ralph Norman earlier about maybe taking this opportunity to uh, make some proposals to to lower the debt? What Should we not be talking about debt reduction instead of arguing about raising the debt ceiling? Yeah. Uh, look, when it comes to debts and deficits and the debt ceiling, CR, I think Speaker Pelosi said it best in 2018. Uh, the controlling party of Congress in the White House has the ability uh, to handle this. Uh, the Democrats have just as much pressure on them to produce something that can get the Republican votes as it is vice versa. So I think that situation will play itself out just like uh, Mitch McConnell said. On, on the other issues, you know, infrastructure is one of the hardest things to do since tax reform in Congress. Uh, it was always hard. With a 50-50 Senate, it's even harder. How Joe Manchin is going to go back to West Virginia after voting for a package that has a 100% tax hike on cigarettes a 1,600% tax hike on smokeless tobacco. It'll add $2.10 to every uh, vape pod for, for parents who are trying to quit smoking cigarettes to live a long, healthy life with their family. It's, it's not going to happen. Uh, the, your guest uh, earlier, uh, who I believe was a uh, former Hakeem Jeffries staffer, uh, yep. said he didn't see any, any of this happening. And, and I'm tending to agree that the, the sides are just far too far apart at this point, And I hope the president's phone calls uh, might make some difference. I'll tell you, Brian, nobody talks about the tax on cigarettes. When that came out a couple of weeks ago from Ways and Means, Jeannie Shanzano, I thought, boy, I think I may have even said this on television. I hope people don't stop smoking because that's going to be required to pay for this. But then, of course, I'm saying that facetiously. Everyone stops smoking. But uh, what the heck does a pack of cigarettes cost now? We're going to say $20. I don't even know what it costs right now. $30 for a pack of cigarettes. I'm sure you're not a smoker, Jeannie. I am not a smoker. I couldn't tell you, Joe, but I know it is extremely high. <laughs> it's a lot for yeah. one pack. But, you know, I, I do think that, you know, what 
the, this meeting that Pelosi has called her, her caucus to this evening, mm-hmm. and she has said, you know, basically said, you all better be there. It is going to be fascinating because she is going to try to figure out a way to get them to see that, as Debbie Dinkle said, failure is not an option here for the Democrats. But the problem for Nancy Pelosi is so much of this rests in what's going on in the Senate. So that's where the president is going to really have to take the lead on this. And I would just go back to the debt ceiling and say it's going to be resolved. Democrats are going to pass it. But it is very clear what they are trying to say. They want to make sure they are making the case that Republicans are responsible for the debt we are facing in this country and a government shutdown looming so close. That is a political calculation they've made just as Republicans have made the calculation not to try to help to handle it. And both sides are going to stick to this till the last minute and then they will avert it. Brian, uh, Michael Hardaway, who you just pointed to, our last guest, also suggested that this none of this may get done this year. Are you of the mind as well that if it's not this year, it's never for Democrats? Uh, well, let me first address uh, you know what Jeannie said. I think uh, just like Republicans have a responsibility on the Senate side, Democrats had a responsibility, too. I mean, the last three weeks, they weren't a charade. It was wasted time. They knew this was not palpable in the Senate. Why are the negotiations and phone calls just happening now? It's irresponsible of this administration, and it's just like the first reconciliation package they forced through where President Biden lied to the American people by saying minimum wage hikes would be in it, knowing darn well it was a violation of the Byrd Rule and would not pass the parliamentarian. So I think there is very clearly blame on both sides. Uh, but the reality is the last three weeks were very frustrating, and I wish we could have gotten uh, uh, more work done. Well, I'll tell you, Jeannie, uh, I don't know if uh, if you would agree that, that you would call Joe Biden a liar. But one thing that I'm guessing is the leadership tonight, when they go back to their offices and it's been hours and they've been getting knocked around and they're looking at the clock, don't they wish they had this CR and debt ceiling out of the way? They're, it's going to take days to figure this out. You're absolutely right. You know, I think it was a calculation that was made by the Democrats that I think has now put everything on this insanely, you know, busy week for them. And and it should not be on the table right now, but it is because they've made this calculation and it is a political calculation, just like the Republicans, that this is going to benefit them down the road. But I do think that this is not going to be the issue. The issue is going to be, can they get an agreement amongst the moderates and the progressives on this infrastructure? bill in this reconciliation that is going to take some real work by the president and of course we have to see if he's able to thread this needle as we keep saying but it's it's you know i I hear that he is optimistic i am not as optimistic and i would totally agree that if they don't get this done now it is not going to happen in an election year and we are on the you know on the brink of an, a yeah. really contentious election year yeah, timing really is everything uh this time around it was time for joe biden to get his booster shot today i don't know if you guys saw this i was at the white house a bit earlier when we learned uh, that only a couple of hours later the president would be uh, rolling up his sleeve again and he sure did in front of uh, in front of a f- small crowd a small group of reporters, it was televised live. You guys probably saw it. And for those who didn't, imagine the the staging here. You've got a podium, the presidential podium up there. Uh, there was a bit of a set with some sort of fake windows that looked like they were overlooking the Rose Garden, I think was the idea. And, and then there was a table and a chair for the president to take his jacket off, roll up his sleeve, and for uh, a medical professional to come in and jab him in front of the world. 
This is Joe Biden when he walked into the room. <laughs> Did you ever think you'd be senior press coming to watch someone get a shot in the old days? <laughs> Me either. I think he felt a little bit weird. I mean, it would be weird, right? A couple couple words, takes the jacket off, can't quite roll the sleeve all the way up. Imagine doing that with cameras on you. And as the president spoke as well, he, he foreshadowed a trip to Chicago because we don't have enough to do this week. The president will be in Chicago Wednesday to make the case for business mandates for vaccines. Here's the president. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That's why I'm moving forward with vaccination requirements wherever I can. On Wednesday, I'll be traveling to Chicago to talk about why it's so important the more businesses are instituting their own vaccine requirements. This, of course, comes at a time of great controversy, Jeannie, a lot of politicization when it comes to vaccines. The president doing the right thing by continuing this approach on television. Yeah, I mean, I'm in New York, as you know, and of course, we've we've had this ruling out of this judge here, which is putting a halt on mandatory vaccines for teachers here. We'll see what the next step on that is. But it's a similar question that's raised about what the Biden administration is trying to do across the nation. You know, it, it, I have to say, I would never want to get a shot on, on <laughs> national TV myself. No. So <laughs> I give all these politicians credit for doing that. But, um, yeah. you know, to me, the real issue here is not necessarily the boosters the people who are qualified for them by by and large are going to go get those the real question here is vaccinating the unvaccinated and that's what the president is trying to address with these with these mandates but of course they are going to face severe pushback in the courts as people raise real questions about whether it's a violation of their liberties and their ability to control their body so you know the president's going to fight as he well should but it is not going to be an easy battle that's right, Brian. What are you hearing uh, from your contacts in the business world? Are we going to see a deluge of, of lawsuits based on employer mandates? Uh, you know, get the shot, get the shot, get the shot, right? Follow the science. The science works. It's very clear. When it comes to employer mandates, um, you know, uh, there's several restaurants here in Washington, D.C. Uh, that require men to wear jackets. Private business can, uh, can dictate how they want to run their companies. Yeah. If private businesses want to make these rules, it should be left up to private business. A uh, lot of controversy around it. I would be more concerned, however, about why the president is leaving Washington literally the day before the evening of what looks like it's going yeah. to be a government shutdown. That's not lost on you on, either. Instead of on Capitol Hill uh, trying to do everything he can uh, to get this through. I mean, it's just it, – it, it's shocking, uh, for, for lack of a better word. It's a challenge bit of timing, although, of course, they could, you know, it's the, the mobile White House, as they say. He'll have, I'm sure, some interesting guests with him on the jet. And I wonder if that's why this is happening, because he can have a captive audience on Air Force One. Brian Johnson, thanks for being with us. I'm assuming that you're still lamenting the prime ribs decision to drop the tie mandate. What has happened to K Street? And thanks as ever to Jeannie Shanzano. Oh, I bet is a big fan of the prime rib. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. We're just getting started this week. Where will we be this time Friday? Stay with us on the fastest hour in politics to find out. We'll check traffic and markets next. This is Bloomberg. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.